Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Lunchtime, lunchtime. Is this thing still on time? Is this still work time? A lot of things going on the past couple of weeks' time. Plenty to catch up on. We'll do as much of it as we can time, whatever time of day it is, boys and girls. It's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Whether it's a Thursday morning, wherever you are, or a Thursday afternoon, evening. Maybe it's Friday. Maybe it's even Saturday. It's the right time and the right day for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Hope you're having a very Merry Christmas. Hope you're having a happy holidays. I know it's that time of the year where everyone's out doing things, so hope everybody's doing all right. There's been a lot going on the past couple weeks, and if you're wondering why uh, have we not had as many podcasts lately, I can give you a quick answer for that. Uh, my wife and I uh, were fortunate enough to, uh, to to bring our first child into the world. Uh, really, she did the work. I just... I was just kind of there, but uh, we, we are now proud parents and uh, have had a lot of stuff going on the past, oh, 10 days or 11, 12 days, however many days it's been, lots going on. I know there's been lots going on in Tennessee world too, though, so we'll try to catch up on as much of that as possible, uh, and to do that, we will go to, uh, it's Christmas time, so let's go to the the Grinch of the GoVoss 24-7 staff. Let's go down to the Blount County Satellite Office in Maryville, bring in the one, the only Grant Ramey. Grant, what's up? Congrats on joining the uh, misery that is parenthood, Wes. Yeah, I, I gotta tell you, it's been well, welcome to the club. Been all right so far. He's uh, he, he's not much of a kind of like me. He gets his days and nights confused, so I guess he gets that from me. So that part has been a challenge, but uh, it's it's just been a couple weeks, so it's not been an annoying challenge yet. It's been sort of one that you're tired but you're happy about it you know uh, you, you've had like you, you've had a couple of these things you you, you you you've 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 had these long enough to be a little more jaded i think probably i've, I've had a few reps and i put on a i put on a, a a tough face i guess and i make fun of my kids and i say it's the most miserable thing in the world but it's really the best thing in the world it, it is there is miserable times but it's the best thing in the world and i would I would do anything my kids told me to because I'm a softie. Yeah, we, we've been lucky. Hopefully, we got we got to get his kidney checked out here in a couple of days, make sure everything's all right there. But he is beautiful. He he fortunately looks like his mom, so everything has been good so far. But there has been just an absolute ton of stuff going on in the Tennessee sports world. Of course, there's never a good time uh, to really take you know eight, nine, ten days, wherever it is, uh, away. But you know, <laughs> you know what what what's happened? There, there's been. Uh, you know, you got Hendon Hooker coming back. You got national, the early signing period going on. Got a couple of huge basketball games, including the one we're going to discuss here in the first segment of this episode. There has been a tremendous amount of stuff the past couple of weeks, Grant. I feel like I've left you all just, just, there's been a lot to do, man. Listen, I haven't done uh, a lot of things well in my life, but two things that uh, did happen the right way is we scheduled babies for spring and summer because uh, I figured uh, it would not be the time. I mean, yeah, this time of year, uh, just just this December, I guess it's the ultimate. Uh, what, didn't you used to have a Rucker vacation rule where anytime you left the yeah the Rucker rule anytime city, I left city the of county, Knoxville, yeah. something happened. So it's I guess it's just carried over to parenting. Yeah, we, you know, we we were trying for a few years, so so we didn't really get to pick the timing on it. We just got blessed when it happened. So, uh, but yeah, it's certainly not the time that you would pick. But that's okay because that is life, and everything is wonderful. And speaking of things being wonderful, Grant Tennessee basketball, the nineteenth ranked Vols had a pretty pretty excellent Wednesday night at Thompson Bowling Arena. I know you and I were there covering that game. The Vols seventy seven to seventy three winners over six ranked previously unbeaten Arizona in front of a very, very loud crowd of about 20,408, I believe, at Thompson Bowling Arena. Certainly, you never know 
around Christmas exactly what kind of mood you're going to have in the arena. It's a big game, but the students are home for, for Christmas break and winter break and all that stuff. And you just never really know exactly what kind of atmosphere you're going to have, even for a big game. But, man, that, that was rocking, and there was a lot of things to talk about in this game. But the first thing I absolutely have to talk about, Grant, I think the six man in the in the in, in the crowd deserves a huge part of, of the of the plaudits for that one because I don't think Tennessee wins that game without those fans. No, I don't either. And uh, I think it's it's just been so long since since we've heard that roar and had that kind of crowd at Thompson Bowling Arena, uh, twenty thousand plus. I mean, it'd been close to two years since uh, since that Auburn Senior Day game uh, in March twenty twenty. It, it had been that long, and it, you know, it was great that they played last season. And got the got the games in, but it just was not the same. Uh, the, the limited capacity, it was just so it was a surreal environment. Popping in some crowd noise for when it was really quiet in the arena, it just kind of never felt real. It kind of just felt surreal, I guess. And, and to get that twenty thousand, and it's three days before Christmas, and it's it's such a huge game against a, a number six Arizona team that was eleven and zero, had been playing really well, has a ton of talented pieces on that team, really well coached by Tommy Lloyd. Uh, the start that Tennessee had, as intense as it was, as, as suffocating as they were defensively, uh, and every step of the way, man, the, the roof was coming off that place multiple times in the first, you know, eight, nine minutes of that game. It, was, it felt like, a, you know, it was the loudest we had heard it in a long, long time. I guess that's recency bias because we haven't really heard it that loud. That's true. Because of the situation. But, man, it was it was a pretty elite atmosphere for Thompson Bowling Arena. Yeah, they were ready to go. And I got to tell you, you know, Arizona is a is a marquee game. It's a blue blood program. It's a big-time program. And it's a huge draw everywhere on the road, especially, especially you know, west of the Mississippi. But, but still, just anywhere they go, it's a big deal. And – those guys play in environments like that. Of course, I guess they didn't last year, but in, in it's a young team, so new guys. But man, those guys acted like they had they they just were they were deer in the headlights in the first couple minutes of that game. And you know, Tennessee got got a couple big buckets early and, and nine turnovers in the first eight minutes for Arizona. Tennessee goes out to a sixteen to two lead, and from then it was kind of just hang on, hang on, hang on, and make enough plays because Kennedy Chandler didn't have a great game. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, Santiago uh, Vescovi ha- had a couple of really big threes, really tough threes, but really had a poor night shooting the ball. And, and those are s- just two huge guys for Tennessee's offense, and, and they just they just had a hard time getting it going in that game. But when Tennessee needed shots, it got shots. When it needed stops, it got stops. And if we're being honest, it got the benefit of a pretty friendly home whistle that seemed a bit rubbery-ish at times if we're going to be completely candid about the situation. But the bottom line was, Grant, I, I think you and I both agree – it seemed for, and I know you felt this way because you told me, and I and I'll tell you, I, from like the first, from like that nineteen or eighteen minute mark of the second half until probably Fulkerson's and one there with about fifty six seconds left, that entire time I thought Arizona was going to win that basketball game. Uh, for sure, I thought probably you know ten, twelve different times in the second half that it felt like the the momentum was on Arizona's side, and if they could just tie the game, if they could just take the lead, then then maybe. Uh, that would be enough for them to, you know, get a couple stops, get a couple buckets, and start. If they if they could have gotten a, a four six point lead, whatever, it definitely I think it would have been over, because of just how fast Tennessee started, how well Tennessee played for the first ten minutes, how well Tennessee played defensively for the entire twenty minutes uh, twenty minutes of the first half. I mean, they only gave up twenty one points to a team that came in I think leading the country in points per game at something like ninety one, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so to do that for the first 20 minutes and then the first five minutes, I believe, of the second half, Arizona came out and scored 19 points and they'd settled in and, and, and they got the game tied a couple times uh, late in the game. And to Tennessee's credit, as many runs as Arizona went on, Tennessee found a way to get answers. And, and sometimes that was a whistle and sometimes it was a stop, whatever it was. Uh, you got to credit them for finding different ways to answer so many different Arizona runs against, yeah, an, an Arizona team that went to Illinois and won, that, that went to Vegas and beat Michigan, that went to, you know, Oregon State and Corvallis and won there. I mean, you, this is a road-tested team, a away-from-home tested team, I guess, uh, and Tennessee found ways to answer them. Yeah, that that was a team that, that again, you, you want to be careful because of recency bias and all that. We, 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 we say all the time that we're trying to avoid recency bias. But I got to tell you, I've been doing this for a while now. I mean, you've been doing this for a while too now, Graham. I've done this for, I guess, 21 years. And, and this Arizona team – looks to me like it's a team that, you know, we'll see with COVID and everything. That's going to be 
fingers crossed everything turns out okay enough there and it's not too crazy with the stops and everything. Uh, but when you, you never know what the right draw, the right mid-major can just go bonkers and you're out. But that the composition of that Arizona team looks a lot like a Final Four kind of team to me. That team is really, really good on both ends of the floor. That team has one of the best, most imposing front lines I've seen in college basketball this season. Uh, they've got really good guards, including a couple who could be first-round draft picks. I mean, they've got dudes, and they got a lot of length, a lot of size, a lot of athleticism, and they are very, very good on both ends of the floor. Here's just a couple of stats. Going into this game, Arizona led all of college basketball in – Scoring margin, scoring offense, rebounds per game, two-point field goal defense, and assists per game. And it was in the top six nationally in all of those categories, plus uh, assist-to-turnover ratio, plus rebounding margin, blocks a game, field goal defense, like possession length. Th- these guys, if that's not a lead on both ends of the floor, I don't know what is. That, that team is statistically excellent. And you can see it doesn't have a big rotation, but the guys who play are really, really good. And Tennessee got a bunch of those guys. Actually, John Fulkerson got a bunch of those guys in foul trouble throughout that game, and that played a part in it for sure. But the way Tennessee, despite not having Chandler and Vescovy at their best, went out there, and boy, I tell you, John Fulkerson, 24-10, and 10, big, big stuff. Josiah Jordan-James, huge plays on both ends of the floor. Uh, Vescovy making a couple of big, big threes and big spots and a couple of big free throws like he almost always does. That was a big-time win against a team that I think looks like a potential Final Four team. It, it definitely felt like a the intensity level felt like a second weekend uh, of the NCAA tournament kind of game. Um, that kind of high-level basketball on both ends of the floor, a lot of uh, – I think Rick Barnes called it a heavyweight uh, heavyweight bout, and I think that's what it was uh, with the, the, the punches that were being delivered uh, on both sides from both teams. And, and if you're a Tennessee fan and you spent that game Googling who Tommy Lloyd is, I don't blame you because he's been there like 10 minutes and it felt like I don't, I don't know what he inherited versus what he's added to the roster since he got there. But Sean Miller's out, Tommy Lloyd's in, and suddenly this team is, you know, looks like one of the best teams in the country for sure. I mean, like you said, what they have in the backcourt, what they have in the front court, the way they – uh, the way they, you know, I think they're number seven nationally in, entering tonight. Uh, sorry, entering the Tennessee game in Ken Palm against uh, adjusted defensive efficiency number seven and number fourteen on the offensive end. I mean, to be putting up those kind of numbers and to be at an eleven and zero entering that game and, and playing the way they were. I mean, this is a guy that spent the last twenty years on the Gonzaga bench under Mark Few, and here he comes to Arizona as a first time head coach, and and he has you know just been pretty much lights out uh, until he ran into Tennessee. Uh, Wednesday night and John Fulkerson in the second half and kind of everything that goes with that. But yeah, that's a really, really good basketball team. That was a really, really intense basketball game. And it felt like, you know, mid-March, not late December. Yeah. And Fulkerson was efficient as usual, 24 points, eight of 13 shooting, eight of 12 at the free throw line, which is is not his best, but still pretty solid. Uh, The 10 rebounds drew 13 fouls. Uh, just crazy. He he tied Tennessee's record uh, for for you know program record for most games played, and he still knock on wood will have whatever twenty more games or whatever it is. So I I mean you hope so with his injury history especially, but that was the best he's looked since the game at Rupp two years ago. That that looked like and and, and he knew he sensed Tennessee needed him. Chandler was not at his best. Some of the guys were not making shots outside. He, he did things that he doesn't always do, which was like, give me the ball, I'm getting to the, to the rack, I'm scoring. And he had a couple of big plays on help defense too. He was like, guys, get on my back, let's go. And, and, and Fulkerson doesn't need to be that good every night, but if he's like half or two-thirds that good for the rest of the season and can stay healthy and can be out there, I, I, at least for me, Grant, the outlook for this Tennessee basketball season looks different. That was definitely the vintage Fulky, the 20-whatever bottle that you get off the shelf uh, for the special occasion. Yes, yes. Uh, the, the holiday season. That, I mean, that was Rupp Arena, Fulky scoring 27 and leading Tennessee back from 17 or whatever the deficit was in that game or 25 against Florida or 22 against South Carolina when he was the best player on the floor uh, in whatever year that was, March 2020, February 2020. Um, as much as he struggled last year, and, and we talked about it all season long, uh, Tennessee needed him. He just couldn't do it. And I felt like I 
couldn't believe that the Fulky of old was going to be the Fulky, you know, we were going to see him again. We definitely saw him against Arizona. That was the best he's looked since Kentucky. That's the best he's looked in two years. Um, I don't know how consistently we'll see that, but yeah, you're right. When, when other guys aren't having a good night, if you can throw it down a little Fulky, you can play four out and basically just ISO um, the opposing forwards against Fulky and he can hit that turnaround baseline jumper with a high release when the game's tied with two and a half minutes left, or he can kind of, you know, do that old man at the YMCA footwork in the paint and, and just get guys in the air. I mean, in the first half, that one foul he drew, you, it, you could see it like the wheels turning in his head. Yeah. They weren't really respecting his mid-range jumper, so he just kind of kept dribbling closer and closer to the paint, and finally he pumped fake. The Arizona defender went straight up in the air. Uh, Fulke went up to attempt the shot. He got fouled, and Fulke had this smile on his face. Like, that was easy. Like, who did not see that coming uh, in this gym? I, I don't know. I was – if you're playing against Fulky, I think he's going to piss you off more than just about any oh, player God, in college yes. basketball because he's just this old, lanky, white dude who's been in the game since literally the Obama administration is when he signed with Tennessee. And here he still is. His teammates, Grant Williams, has had his rookie contract in the NBA exercise, the option picked up by the Boston Celtics. And here Fulky still is doing stuff that we saw Fulky doing in 2016 with the really good footwork, the quickness around the rim, the, the ability to finish. And on top of that, yeah, drawing 13 fouls is insanity when Arizona committed 28 fouls. Almost 50% of the fouls were from Fulkerson uh, drawing those fouls. And they fouled out three of Arizona starters, and the other two starters had four fouls. Uh, that's crazy. Yeah, and, and, I'll, and I'll tell you, that's one of – and I said this a little bit earlier – that's one of the best, most physically imposing – most athletic, longest front lines in college basketball. And that's not an easy group to go against. But those guys, I mean, Fulkerson, he's got a lot of those post moves. And, again, they're awkward. They're awkward as hell, but they're effective. And they get the job done. And those guys just did not look like they I – I don't want to say they didn't respect it, but, you know, maybe they're not watching film from two years ago. Maybe they don't know this guy's got that in his bag, but – he, the old man took a lot of those kids to school is what it looked like to me. I mean, those young guys, as good as they are, they just they look like they weren't ready for that. It's like when you show up at the, at the YMCA and, and, and you've won a few games and pick up and suddenly the old man shows up and nobody really wants him on your team, but you pick him up and, and then it's just over because he's scoring around everybody and he's rarely ever leaving the floor. I yeah, mean, he's just, and he's wearing, he's, wearing, he's wearing like crew socks before kids started wearing crew socks again. You know, right, he's, like got those, the, yeah. he's got on the mid mid thighs. He's got the uh, he's got the tank top tucked into the shorts. He's got on a big headband. He's got on a few wristbands, but not he's not wearing them to be cool. He's wearing them to stop sweat from uh, getting to his hands. The function of the actual sweatband. I mean, that's John Fulkerson, and I think you're 100 percent right. If you don't, if you haven't played against Fulky before, if you haven't studied Fulky's game before, if you just show up and see this kid you're probably thinking this kid's not about to go for 24 and 10 yeah. and draw 13 fouls against, like you said, one of the probably the better front courts in the country if you go and look at their numbers and, and the production that they've had at least through the first uh, 11 games of the season. And to be honest, looking at those numbers, I thought Arizona comes in here and wins this game because Fulke doesn't have to play like that every night for Tennessee to win. But those games where Fulke faced as a seven-footer a uh, 240-pound guy, whatever. If Fulke gets pushed around early, if Fulke picks up a couple fouls early, stuff like that, Tennessee usually does not win those games. And I just didn't know how Tennessee would answer in the post given what Arizona had in the post entering that game. And the way Fulkerson not only played late, but the way he played pretty consistently for the whatever 34, 32 minutes he was on the floor, um, he carried his team in that one for sure. Yeah, and, and Josiah Jordan-James did a lot of the lifting too. Uh, again, I, we you probably get tired of hearing this, but uh, people out there listening do. But Josiah Jordan-James is a guy who, like, the more that you know and love basketball, the more that you love him as a player because he just does a little bit, at least a little bit, of every single thing you could ever want a basketball player to do. On both ends of the floor, he knows exactly what he's doing. He's a really good defender, had some tough matchups tonight, but made a couple big plays, especially late, really kind of game-changing plays. And for a guy who's got the bad finger and he's not consistently a great three-point shooter, man, he sure hits some big clutch threes. And that's not the first time he's done that. He just does 
a little bit of absolutely everything you need. And I think I wrote in my column tonight, if you just airdropped or parachuted that guy into any team in America, that team gets better the second he gets there. He's just one of those guys. And if this team is going to go as far as it wants to go, it's got to have that version of him. It's just got to. Yeah, and, and he's he's a guy kind of like Fulgy. He does not have to be your most productive player on the floor, or at least scoring-wise, I guess. He doesn't have to be the guy where you watch the game and think he's the best player on the floor, give him the ball uh, and get out of the way. But he has to be uh, the kind of X-factor, glue guy, whatever that he can be, where he's rebounding, defending, uh, steals, assists, all of that. And then on top of that, on nights like uh, against Arizona, when Arizona goes on an 8-0 run in the second half and he hits a three, and then they get a stop and he goes down, and he scores mid-range or whatever, whatever that bucket was, a floater maybe. I mean, the for him to hit those shots and all the threes he hit in that game, it felt like every three he hit was a pretty big one. Um, if he's doing that, yeah, it certainly makes Tennessee a different team because, yeah, I mean, they got out to a 16-2 lead. They were up 13 at halftime, and Kennedy Chandler hadn't, you know, hardly done anything. And, and you know, the rotation shrunk in a big way. And uh, like you said, Vescovi, Vescovi, let me get that right, uh, he – you know, he, he hit some big shots, but he struggled to score. So when those guys, when there are guys struggling like that, you're going to have to have somebody else step up. And uh, for Josiah to do it, uh, that, that could be some positive momentum heading into the SEC play. And, you know, last thing before we go into break here, I, I, I think I, I'm not overly concerned about the way Chandler played in that game. I kind of thought all along that you know, I didn't know exactly when, but most freshmen at some point hit a wall. You know, very rarely do you get like a Zion or somebody who who just or you know Anthony Davis or somebody who just you know Shaq just shows up and just just dominates. You know, you usually even the best freshmen they they have those little moments where they kind of people know how to scout them, people know how to give them trouble. Maybe it's the physical rigors of it, whatever it is. I think he'll respond to that. I think he's going through that period where Rick Barnes is really tough on young point guards. He just is, and I think a lot of things kind of kind of coming at him pretty fast right now. I'm not concerned about that. I think he's still an unbelievable basketball player. I still think he's going to be the first-round draft pick. I, I, I just, I, you know, he, he's such a talented kid. I, I'm not overly concerned about that performance. I think it is a little bit worrisome that some of the best defenses have given him some problems that the best defense Tennessee has faced. But I think he's going to get through that. Yeah, and, and Arizona obviously is really good defensively. I mean, they, they're one of the best, you know, two-way teams in the country, if not the best, based on on the numbers at this point. Um, but, yeah, there, there are going to be these kind of welcome-to-college basketball moments. I think one of them was against Villanova for, yeah. for Kennedy yeah. and getting in early foul trouble and just kind of the, the savviness and experience of that Villanova backcourt and the talent uh, and everything that they have. And, and tonight it felt like, you know, with the, the size and the post um, – with the guards that Arizona have, they just kind of denied him of, of getting to the on the getting to the parts of the floor where he needs to get uh, to operate uh, efficiently. And, and I mean, we watched practice Monday, and Rick Barnes went after Kennedy Chandler from start to finish. It was, I mean, he was he was on one of those days. Where it was even, his day even for Rick. His day, even, yeah, it was his day. Even for Rick, and how traditionally hard he is on his point guards and all that stuff. And that's what Kennedy wants. He wants the guy, to, the, the coach, to stay on him. 24-7, the man, he stood on 24-7. So it's going to be a question of kind of, you know, what what does he look like at Alabama? What does he look like, you know, as SEC play gets going here in January? And, and how often does he have these games where it looks like he's having a welcome to college basketball moment versus these games where he looks like a guy that's it's been here three years and has all the talent in the world? Yeah, and, and three of Tennessee's five next five games, which are three of Tennessee's first five SEC games, are at Alabama, at LSU, at Kentucky. So yeah, he he's gonna see some length. He's gonna see uh, some some guys in his face. That's a really tough draw for Tennessee to start SEC play. But again, I mean, I was on fine. I'm talking about this on Wednesday night. I, I I think it's one of the most exciting SEC basketball seasons, at least you know anticipating it that I can remember. There's just so many interesting, potentially really really good teams in this league. And I don't know if there's like a guaranteed final four team or anything like that, but there are so many like top 25, top 30 teams in this league. And, and the middle of the league looks really good. It's going to be a, a battle, an absolute battle. And I don't think anybody's coming out of that without a few scars, 
but I, I, I think I, I'm, I'm pretty excited to see how this Tennessee team does against that because I think it, it there, I think there'll be some ups and downs, Grant, but I think it's going to be fun. I don't honestly, I don't know what Tennessee's going to do in the month of February because it feels like everything is happening in the month of January. I mean, you got a home and home with LSU. Uh, you start SEC play at a, in a nine o'clock game at uh, Alabama uh, on the 29th. You, you, you have that trip to Kentucky. You've got a home date with Florida. You go to Texas at the end of the month for the Big Twelve. SEC challenge and all the attention there with Rick going back to Austin. Um, I, I don't know what this team's going to look like at the end of January, uh, but they're going to be tested in a huge way because they have a lot of really good basketball teams on the schedule. And yeah, I agree with you. Like you said, so many good basketball teams in the SEC, it feels like. I don't know who the best is or, or how much separation there is between the top six, seven, however many teams uh, toward the top of the standings or whatever. But yeah, it's, it's going to be a really tough, uh, SEC schedule and, and for Tennessee they dive in head first yeah and there's a lot more to discuss about Tennessee basketball and we're going to have a couple more months a few more months obviously to, to really focus on that until then though uh, we do need to catch up on some football but before we do that let's go take a quick break let's go listen to some sponsors uh, some products ad services in-house things other fun things and, and we will be right back here on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast hashtag ad Money! Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Grant Ramey coming to you from the Go Vols 24-7 Blunt County Satellite Office down there in Merville, talking Tennessee football, talking Tennessee basketball, talking all kinds of fun things on this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. And again, a very Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. To, I know not everyone out there is a is a Christmas person, even some of my own in-laws. You know, the, the, there are people go, like, hey, can you say Christmas? Can you not say Christmas? I'll say both. I'll say Merry Christmas. I'll say Happy Holidays. Just hope everyone's doing well. Hope everyone's staying safe and healthy out there. Just hope for the best. It's the time of year where you just, you know, you're you're optimistic. You know, you're you're happy. You're trying to be anyway when you're not dealing with things with your family that drive you nuts. You're mostly trying to be happy. So let, let's stay on those good vibes right now on this Go Balls 24-7 podcast. And, and again, we're going to get right back into it in just a second. Before we do that, though, guys, quick reminder, if you could take about mm, a minute out of your day right now, please go in there and rate and review and subscribe to this podcast. That would help us out a lot. I know if you're just listening on the website, nothing wrong with that. We'd love you. But what really, really helps us out, there is no wrong way to listen to this podcast. There is no wrong place, no wrong time. But what really helps us out is if you go in there, whether it's an Apple podcast, Google podcast, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere in the world you can cast the fine pod, you can find this Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We do this for free, and we're happy to do it, but the only thing we ask for is that you please rate, review, subscribe. Please leave some comments in there. It really helps us add more wolves to the wolf pack with the metrics. It just It's, it's a big deal, so please go in there and keep doing that, and we will keep building this thing the way we've been building it for years now. It's been consistently growing. It's been awesome, and the more you help us, the more that continues going. So if you're already doing that, thank you. If not, go yourself. Even in the holidays, even with the holiday spirit, that's the motto. Grant, a lot has happened with Tennessee football uh, in the past little bit since we've been a little bit off there with the podcast, dealing with the, the baby stuff and all that. Lots of stuff going on. But what we do know is, is that right now, Tennessee seems to be doing okay with the COVID stuff, still seems to be on track to play in the bowl game, the Music City Bowl in Nashville against Purdue. Uh, we also know that Hendon Hooker has said he's going to come back for another season at Tennessee, which is just humongous news for this program, badly needed good news for this program. We know that Tennessee has 
gone on and, and signed, at least to this point, a top 15 recruiting class that I think a lot of people are pretty surprised by. A lot of us were saying maybe this will be a top 25 class, top 20 class. Now it's a top 15 class, and they could add to it. So those guys have – there's just a lot of good news for Tennessee football right now, and it feels like when's the bad news coming. But seriously, it does feel like things are going pretty well right now. Yeah, I mean, it feels like a continuation of, of kind of a lot of the stuff we saw uh, during the season and, and the, the positive vibes that we talked about and kind of the waiting on that other shoe to drop just because we're so uh, accustomed to this point at there being bad news involved. But, I mean, you, you get Hen and Hooker back, uh, that's as, about as big of a recruiting win as you can have going from year one to year two if you're uh, Josh Heupel. And then, you know, Heupel and his staff on, on early signing day of, you know, like you said, from going from – you know, kind of that top 25 conversation to possibly top 15, whatever uh, conversation when you add a, a four-star like Tyree West, a four-star like James Pierce, a, a four-star running back uh, in Justin Williams. So to add those guys uh, and to close that, that early signing period the way you did and to add, you know, get Hendon Hooker back and, and you got some other decisions that need to be made, um, yeah, they, they just kind of keep headed in the right direction, it feels like, and, and you have, you know, sitting here what, um, you know, six, seven days. I don't even know what today is because it's December. Um, but you're, you know, you're about a week out from a really big ball game against Purdue uh, in Nashville, a big in-state, basically a commercial for your program uh, in a very uh, good part of the state to be hosting that kind of commercial for your program. So it seems like they're they're trending in the right direction, kind of a continuation from what we saw in November. Yeah, and Grant, what were your thoughts sort of on the way that that signing day or the early signing period kind of wrapped up? Because I think we kind of kept telling people, listen, Tennessee's in on some of these big guys. They they might get some. We don't know if they're going to get all of them, certainly, but there's some guys they're going to get. This class could move up. And then in the past, maybe the the final few days really heading into it and then on the start of early signing day itself, which kind of feels like National Signing Day now, if we're being honest – Tennessee did get that momentum. What did you think of that? And what did you think of the way the Vols finished that class? Or at least to, it this, is point, certainly, to, to this point, I should say. Not finished, but get to get to this point. That That is definitely – it does feel like that is National Signing Day. That is the, the day that, that brings all the hoopla that, that National Signing Day in February used to bring. Now it's in December. But, I mean, it, it just felt like uh, Tennessee finally got some of those wins that they needed um, on the recruiting trail – and it, I think it goes back to what we've seen from them do on the field uh, in year one under Josh Heupel and, and the, the staff that he put together and, and the work that they did throughout the season and what these players that play for them now say about this coaching staff. Obviously, it's cliche, and, and coaches say it all the time, but your best recruiters are your current players because they can, you know, tell these prospects what, you know, what this experience is like, and, and they'll be real in that. And I think with Heupel and with his staff, I think they're a, a genuine group of people who, you know, are they're going to – whatever they say, they're going to do. And I think we've seen that. Uh, and you add, you know, obviously Rodney Garner's, you know, got the reputation that he does on the recruiting trail for a reason, and they add a couple four-star defensive linemen on early signing day. So, I mean, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, and finally, you have something – tangible that you can point to if you're hypo you're not only telling them what kind of program you're trying to build you're not only telling them what you've done at other schools in terms of scheme and production and the numbers you've put up on offense but now you can kind of marry that with year one of what they were able to do with Hinton hooker what they're able to do with this wide receiver group what they were able to do in terms of points scored per game in terms of uh, just kind of the big offensive numbers that they put up from the get-go with one of the thinnest rosters they'll probably ever have at tennessee so um, I think it's kind of a little bit of everything coming together and and, uh, and Tennessee finally getting some of the wins that they really needed. Yeah, it's been it, it, it's been a while for for Tennessee. It's it's been a tough you know, a tough go for for a little bit in a lot of ways, but it just feels to me like like things are finally sort of heading in a direction that that everybody can be pretty pretty pleased with. I know there's a lot still to be done, but it seems like things are are looking better right now. Yeah, and, and this is, I mean, it's its crazy to think about, but, and Heupel mentioned this a few times on early signing day, they've only been here 10 and a half months. Uh, this was not the traditional, you know, firing and hiring cycle. This was, you didn't make a move at Tennessee until January. And when you did, you fired your coach, you fired your staff, you fired your recruiting department, you fired your uh, your athletic department director, didn't fire or didn't get fired or stepped down or 
whatever the phrasing they use yeah, there whatever was, you want but, to call that yeah right right regardless you you needed an ad and then you needed a head coach and then you needed uh, a staff and then you needed recruiting uh, personnel and this was all in january this is very very late in the process the, the worst timing possible i mean people were writing off tennessee as a bowl team you know for the next three to five years based on how everything went down with the jeremy pruitt era and the timing of getting hypo here and Heupel's never been known as an elite recruiter. I don't think he's ever going to be known as a elite recruiter. He's going to be a guy that's going to put up the offensive numbers he does and try to get that talent here. Um, but what they've been able to do since January, uh, when they got here, late in January, I guess, and, and we're just sitting near uh, December, a, a few days before Christmas, it was, it's been impressive from the start, uh, and they continue to impress. Yeah, it, it's natural to feel like when's the bad news going to come, and, and the expectations in year two, will change drastically because that's just the way it is. Um, but right now it seems like they're checking off just about every box they come to. Yeah, everything does kind of have to come with a little bit of a grain of salt because if you know your recent Tennessee history, and if you're listening to this podcast, I'm pretty pretty damn sure that, that, that you do know it. But Tennessee has – has the, the past few coaches, we, we know how uh, – what what's, what's the word for this? Ignominiously that, that those tenures ended by and large. But there was there were times early early to the midpoint of some of those ten years where it still felt like there was a lot of optimism, there was a lot of good news, there was a, a lot of reasons where you could feel pretty good about the direction things were going. So I don't think any of us are going to put the cart before the horse on this. But it does kind of feel like these guys are some pretty pretty decent dudes. It feels like they that the players believe in these guys. It, it feels like. You know, that whole thing with Oklahoma and the way, you know, it ended up, you know, Heupel didn't go back home because, you know, if you go from Tennessee's past few years, I mean, you feel like that's just going to happen, right? It just feels like it doesn't make a lot of sense, but it's just going to happen because that's what's been happening at Tennessee. That didn't happen. Um, and now you got Hendon Hooker coming back for another season, and, and he put up has put up one of the most impressive seasons from a Tennessee quarterback that we've seen, period. He just – he has. Look at the numbers. They speak for themselves. And did that – despite losing however ungodly number of guys that Tennessee lost in the portal. I know it added a few, but it lost a ton. It lost a bunch of big-time players, new coaching staff, new offense, lots of stuff going on, and they've kind of been able to rally around each other. I guess now the question is, what's next, right? Because in this world, it, it is such a cruel, cold, what-have-you-done-for-me-lately world, and now people are going to be saying, okay, what's the sequel, what what's the encore? What do you got now? Can you take this to the next level? And, and I think people me, maybe need to be a tiny bit careful there because I still think there's a lot of holes on this roster that are going to take some time to fill to really re- replenish in, in terms of going up against those elite programs that you're going to have to beat to compete for an SEC, SEC championship. I, I think that that stuff still feels like it's a, a ways off, but it just you feel like you see a path now where at least getting back to, to pretty good can happen yeah and and one big thing moving forward at least so far is is Tennessee has basically sat out this coaching carousel and Mm -hmm. every Tennessee fan listening to this right now uh, probably needs to knock on wood because that's just the way it goes but I mean after year one with Jeremy Pruitt you know there's coordinator drama if if I'm not mistaken and that's obviously what you don't want after year one as a coaching staff here at Tennessee it feels like everybody's pulling the same direction everybody's you know, um, I don't know. The, the staff seems to work well together. It seems like a really good staff that, that, that Josh put together in his first year. And it feels like you're getting to sit out a, a really, really crazy coaching carousel. And in Tennessee, it's been a while since Tennessee sat those out and kind of had that continuity uh, to build on. Because that continuity is unique. It feels like there's so many changes that it affects just about every staff uh, in America this time of year. But if they can keep some continuity on the coaching staff, if they can keep adding – uh, to this roster and building it kind of in their image and, and to fit their scheme uh, on both sides of the ball. Yeah, it does feel like it should keep heading in the same direction at the same time. Like we've had to, you've had to ask Tennessee fans almost every three to four years for the last 10 to 12 is you got to be patient because it's going to take a minute. Like you said, that roster is, is still a very much a, a major work in progress to, uh, despite all they got out of it at times uh, in year one. So yeah, you're going to have to have some patience, but it does seem like it's it's trending in the right direction. And not everything has been perfect. You know, I mean, the Tyon Evans situation, you know, was just 
felt weird at the time. Still, it's just a, an interesting situation. Just a reminder that 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 sometimes things look like they're going to be really fun, and then they're not in this world um, because you know that just went the way that it did. Um, but by and large, things look like they're 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 they feel pretty good. And this is an opportunity. This Purdue game, knock on wood, that it that it still happens. You know, Purdue's been kind of a giant killer this year, right? It's had a couple of big wins, but this is a team where when you start looking at the matchups. I like a lot of these matchups for Tennessee in this game. I, I like uh, certainly the fact that it's played in Nashville. It's going to feel like it's a Tennessee home game in a lot of ways. That's certainly going to be a big deal. And, and bowl success means virtually nothing moving forward. I think history has sort of proven that because some of the best Tennessee teams that I've ever seen had really horrible bowls the year before, and some of the worst Tennessee teams that I've that I've ever seen had pretty good bowl games the year before. That That stuff doesn't – really to me matter a ton it just I don't think it I just really don't think it does but when you're talking aesthetically when you're talking PR wise when you're talking that uh, perception being reality Tennessee takes care of business in this game okay you got an eight win season you got you you might even end up the season in the top 25 you really might Um, you're kind of right there where you have a chance to do that Um, you know the Ole Miss game kind of a letdown there you know some some things the pit game didn't go the way you wanted it to the town evans situation was weird but but it's been a lot a lot more good than bad for tennessee and this is an opportunity i think to continue that because i'll be honest i just kind of like this matchup for tennessee famous last words but i feel like i i, I like this matchup for them butch jones was good at bowl games is that all you need to know about bowl game yeah. significance importance yeah, he was very good i mean that. no you're you're 100 right. It's there. Whatever you do in this bowl game, it's not really going to mean a ton come September uh, when you're kicking off a new season and and you know all that stuff. Um, it can send you into you know uh, winter workouts in spring with a with a better taste in your mouth. And, and I do think it is a big deal if Tennessee can win this and get to eight wins. And, and after everything you faced last January and all the turnover and all the crap that went with it and all the you know, what everybody was saying about Tennessee football at the time to turn around and to, to get Josh Heupel in here and for him to have the success he had um, in year one and to get to eight wins when probably very little people in the country gave him a, a chance to get to eight wins. Yeah, I think it's huge. Bowl games, it's not the be-all, end-all these days, obviously. You know, Purdue's got some guys that are opting out and, and getting ready for the draft and all that stuff. But if you can win it, it's a little bit of a, a cherry on top of a, of a nice year one. Yeah, and, and Tennessee's got a couple guys who I guess maybe have some decisions to make on that front. You know, we know Alante Taylor is not going to play. We'll see if Cade Mays is able to get healthy enough to play, and if he is healthy enough to play, does he want to play? And then if he, regardless, does he, you know, does he want to come back? You know, th- there's a lot of things that that sort of need to be hammered out with this team, but it just feels like there's more solidity there and, and even without Alante Taylor in this game I mean you got you know you know Warren Burrell you got Kamal Haddon you got Brandon Turnage you got some guys there who look like I, I think it'd be interesting to see those guys play in a ball game I think it's great for them to get these practices you know uh, fight out kind of start get the early start on spring camp uh, spring practice there with with some of the the position battles and you know I mean take a guy like that out of the mix and 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 see see what you got I mean I think that helps you know you're, you're going to have different guys that need to step up and do some things. And, and I think Tennessee's got some guys who, who could be interesting in that role. I think the 15 practices is a big deal that people really don't think a ton about because I think we've, we've talked about it on this podcast before, how that's like a second spring practice, basically. Um, and it's, it's a little bit of a different world these days with the early signing period where you can get guys signed and on campus and you can get some of these guys in some of these bowl practices, some of these guys that you just got done signing – uh, can go from, you know, the recruiting trail straight onto the practice field. Um, and, and you can't really put a value on what that kind of experience can do. And especially for a year one coaching staff um, starting over the way they did and trying to, to kind of start from scratch and, and build what they're trying to build, uh, the 15 practices or whatever it is, you can't really put a value on how important that is because you just can't get enough time on the practice field being able to do your thing as much as you can building as much as you can um, when you start pointing the arrow towards 2022. I think that's as a big a deal as anything, win, lose the bowl game, whatever, whatever it looks like um, on December 30th against Purdue. you got 15 practices when the alternative was you could have been sitting at the house in December. Yeah, and i got to tell you, Grant, we're, we're, I'll end on this. We, we've got one more 
uh, probably at least one more episode sort of but before the end of the year maybe more we'll see but but it, it, it's when you think about sort of the past 12 months and you know the, this time around Christmas around the start of the, the new year it's, it's a good time sort of for reflection on sort of everything that's happened in the past year right you know you look at your own life you look at work you you look at you know, just the things around you, the, the the sports teams you care about. It's just a good time, no matter what it is, to just sit back and reflect. And when you think about how many bad things happened early in this year for Tennessee athletics, you know, you're you're, you're talking about uh, certainly the way things ended there with the Pruitt era, all the guys going to the portal, the the, the basketball team sort of torpedoing itself with some injuries and and poor play down the stretch and really kind of fizzing out their leg and, and losing in the first round of the tournament, you know, a disappointing season in some ways for the Lady Vols. You just think about how many negative things happened early in the year. And then you think about that sort of that, that baseball team that got to Omaha and it almost feels like that sort of kick started like this, this new era of hope almost for Tennessee athletics, because from then you got a football team that's, that's exceeded expectations. You got a basketball team that looks like it's in at least pretty good shape going into the start of SEC play, just beat the number six team in the country, gave it its first loss of the season. The Lady Vols, uh, despite a big injury, a big loss, have, have been playing good basketball and look like they've got things going in the right direction. And other pe- people are really excited about this upcoming baseball season with lots of the the guys that are back on that team. It just feels like for Tennessee athletics, this could have been a really sort of disastrous year, and it started off that way. But, man, it looks a lot better right now. Yeah, I mean, it looks like a completely uh, different athletic department. I think that starts at the top with Danny White, and I think they they made a lot of good moves. uh, To get him here was a big deal, uh, and it seems like he's hit – pretty well on his, his first football coaching hire with, with Josh Heupel and uh, the kind of the stuff we've talked about uh, over this segment. But I mean, yeah, it does feel like, um, I don't know, it feels like 12 months ago was, was 12 years ago at times based on where yeah, Tennessee does. was at the time. And I don't know, this time last year, I told my wife, like, uh, there might be a coaching search uh, during Christmas. I'm just going to have to see you when I see you. Merry Christmas, yeah. Happy New Year, all that stuff. Ooh. Uh, but yeah, it was it was a different world we were living in then. It's a different world we're living in now. But uh, I can tell you, I'll, when you're when you're talking about all that stuff, all I hear is Tennessee fans saying, "Shut up! Don't talk about it! Don't jinx it! Just just let it ride, uh, and let's just keep moving forward." I'm just, I mean, I'm in good spirits, man. Like I'm really tired, but but uh, you know, got got the new kid. He's beautiful. Everything's great there. It just feels like it's a time for hope. I just I'm feeling very very hopey right now. You know, very 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 good, very good vibes right now. And I know that, that that's certainly been a good year for, for the Ramies too. Uh, I know that, that everything's going well with y'all and with other guys on our staff and they're just everybody on the site. Our, our subscribers have been so good to us. There's just a whole lot of things out there to be thankful for. And we do not tend to be the corny bunch, you know, sort of historically. But I think there's just a lot to be thankful for and a lot to be happy for these holidays. And I'm happy that, that, uh, that you joined us on this podcast, Grant. How about that? I'll end on that. Listen, speak for yourself. I got ugly kids. They're mean. They're the worst. Uh, I lost an I lost an AirPod today. Um, you did. My you, headlights. You, you did my lose an AirPod in my car. Oh man, that's um, lost a. You lost a man. Everything that's in pairs for you is going bad right now. One of your kids is going to get sick. When he's uh, this you think, is, this you think is, about uh, it, right? I mean, you got the you got the one AirPod going out, the one headlight going out. One of your kids, man, they're going to get a black eye or something. They're going to get sick right listen, now. Listen, this is what you're going to learn is they're just always sick. Okay, <laughs> it's like a little petri dish living in your house, so you just get used to that. But yeah. uh, this is the the one of the Seinfeld episodes where where George is up and and Elaine's down, or then Elaine's up and George is down, and, and they couldn't work and they couldn't work, you know. In sync, one had to be up, one had to be down. So, so you you can have the hope now. Maybe I'll get it later. There you go. I appreciate it, man, Grant. Thanks for joining us, and uh, have a have a great Christmas there with the Ramey clan. And we will uh, we'll see you here in just a couple of days, I guess. Ho ho ho! We'll see you. Merry Merry Christmas! Merry freaking Christmas! Let's see if I can find that button and get us on out of here. Where is that button? Where are you? There it is came in a little hot but i found it guys thank you so much for listening i know we say this all the time but we but we really mean it thank you thank you thank you for listening to this Coval 24 7 podcast and apologies for being a little bit out lately but uh, we're back everything is good so thank you and thank you to everyone for the well wishes too they, we really really appreciate it so thank you 
Thank you for that, guys. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker, 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown, 24-7 on Twitter. And Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan, 24-7 on Twitter. If you want just Tennessee news in your feed, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash goballs 24-7. You can also go to facebook.com slash goballs 24-7 and get tons of stuff there throughout the day, all day, every day. But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the tap, you can get that at GoBalls247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball, Lady Vols coverage, where Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all year long. we got two forms running around the clock, the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and you can talk to thousands of Tennessee fans in pretty much every area code, or and not every area code, that'd be a lot. We, we'd really be rich then. Uh, but uh, every time zone that you can think of, basically, we got somebody there, and you know one of us mods is going to be up pretty much any time, too. One of us on the staff, we will be up there to talk anything that is not political or religious in nature with you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You got also, so you got a couple dozen fresh content items most days. You got access to the best network around. You get access to the best database around. You get access to so many things. So many things, and you can have all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs. And if you do that, pay us that already ridiculously reasonable rate, we will give you access to Paramount Plus for free. That is a $100 plus annual value that we will throw on top of it for free, no questions asked. That's a behemoth of a streaming platform that has so many things. I mention this all the time, but guys, so many exclusive shows. Things from the vaults of CBS, and uh, obviously you got uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, Smithsonian, Nickelodeon, so stuff for everybody in the family. Exclusive movies, exclusive shows like Paramount, or like uh, like, like Evil, like Mayor of Kingstown, 1883 is coming out there. Just so many awesome things. Plus live sports, Tennessee sports, SEC sports, SEC sports. Uh, you get, uh, like, what else you get? NFL, PGA Tour. UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, Serie A, World Cup qualifying, just so many things that we, that's a $100 plus annual value, commercial free. We will give it to you for nothing. So for this holiday season, we can give you several, several hundred dollars worth of stuff for about a hundred bucks a year. No one else can do that for you. We can do that for you. If nothing else, guys, you should hear from us in a couple of days. So until then, have a very Merry Christmas. Be very, very safe traveling. Be very safe with the COVID stuff. That, that Omicron stuff is out there. Please wash your hands. Please, guys, just 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 help us. We got to get through this. We want to have sports. We want to go do these things. Uh, just try to be part of the solution, guys. I know it's tough, but please try it. Safe travels over the holidays. Be safe. Be well. And we will see you on a couple days. See you. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search... The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets.